ask yourself, what do you want? And I mean a focus on the quotidian, like the day-to-day teeny tiny BS, because that's what a life is, right? When you reach for a sweater, pause. Do I want the turtleneck? Do I want the crew neck? And I know it sounds so dumb, but trust me, it matters because that's what you're going to feel on your skin all day. And let it be about what do I want to feel on and in my body and not what will someone else like. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmette. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's conversation, we have a couple of quick announcements. The first is we want to Make sure you've heard about our new podcast episode format that we started dropping monthly. It's called a Health Transformation Audit, where we will be bringing you, our community members, onto the show for a 15-minute health transformation audit, where we will guide you to identify what's holding you back from achieving your ideal health and wellness, and we will analyze with you the challenges that you face so that you can walk away with a tangible action step, something that you can implement immediately into your lives. As integrative health practitioners and health coaches, Marnie and I love doing this kind of work with you. So check out episode 121 and 126 to hear from two of our community members, Kim and Wendy, who came onto the show for a health transformation audit. And even better, we would love to have you on our show. So click the link in the show notes or simply email us at the Art of Living Well podcast at gmail.com and let us know that you'd like to sign up for your personal 15-minute health transformation audit experience. And then lastly, we would absolutely love for you to take just two minutes to leave us a rating and review. Just head on over to Apple Podcast if you're enjoying this episode. Doing so really, really helps us reach more people so that others can benefit from all the conversations and resources that we share with you each week. And if you're enjoying today's episode, we'd love it for you to share with a friend, a family member, or anyone who you think may benefit from the information. And of course, please share a screenshot of today's episode on social media and tag us at theartofliving underscore well. All right, so let's dive in and welcome today's amazing guest, Victoria Albina. Victoria is a certified life coach, a UCSF-trained family nurse practitioner, and breathwork meditation guide with a passion for helping women realize that they are their own best healers. She works with women so that they can break free from codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing and reclaim their joy. Victoria is the host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast, holds a master's degree in public health from Boston University School of Public Health, and a BA in Latin American Studies from Oberlin College. Victoria has been working in health and wellness for over 20 years. She has advanced training in cognitive behavioral life coaching and has been using these techniques in her work for almost a decade. In today's episode, we unpack so much of the work that Victoria does to coach women to reclaim their self-worth by overcoming codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing. Victoria shares her health and wellness journey, which ultimately led her to this work. We dive deep into the topic of codependency and people-pleasing and the conditioning and survivor skills that we all develop from childhood that impact these habits into our adult ears. She shares how she works with women to successfully rewrite these survival skills and patterns and programs that we develop to that we developed over time to protect us, but for which we no longer need them to keep us safe. We also talk about the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in the human body and really runs the show for many major functions. 
We know this topic may not be one that you're familiar with, and Victoria does such an excellent job of jumping in and explaining it in a very simple and clear manner. And I think you're going to really be fascinated by this part of the conversation. We know you're going to get so much out of today's episode with Victoria. She also shares just a lot of tips about how you can change these negative beliefs and thoughts and patterns so that you can learn to tap into your intuition and ultimately make decisions based on what you truly want and what you need to be at peace and experience joy. Marty and I felt like we got a free therapy session and we hope that you do too. So with that, let's jump right into our conversation with Victoria Albina. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Thrive Chiropractic. I was first introduced to Thrive Chiropractic over five years ago for kinesiology-based food sensitivity testing. I was so amazed by this non-invasive and inexpensive technique that I took my son to have testing done, which confirmed some of his food sensitivities. Both my son and I now have regular tune-ups, and even my leery husband has felt the immense benefits from receiving chiropractic care, including cupping. With over 25 years of clinical experience, the doctors at Thrive Chiropractic, located in Minnetonka, Minnesota, combine their passion for wellness with a strong expertise in effective treatment approaches. When you first come to Thrive Chiropractic, the doctors are focused on helping you feel better as soon as possible and they recognize that one type of treatment or technique does not work for everyone. Your comprehensive exam, personal goals, and individual concerns help the doctors tailor your custom treatment plan for maximum results. Thrive Chiropractic's integrative approach offers holistic and effective healthcare with a full spectrum of complementary products and services, including acupuncture, massage, food sensitivity testing, CBD, and premium supplements. As a special offer, Thrive Chiropractic would like to invite listeners of our podcast to experience the gift of health with a $25 new patient visit, which includes the initial consultation, a comprehensive exam, any necessary x-rays, and first adjustments. Simply visit the website at www.thrivechiromn.com or call 952-746-5612 and reference the Arts of Living Well podcast. When you're seeking effective, non-invasive treatment approaches to support your health goals, let Thrive Chiropractic be your partner in wellness. Call or book online today. Hi, Victoria. We are so excited that we connected with you online, and we really just can't wait to share your messages about how you coach women to improve their relationships um, with their parents, their partners, and really most importantly, themselves. So thank you for coming on. And, you know, everyone has a story and we would love to hear your journey, including how you took your physical and mental health into your own hands to heal endless digestive troubles, fatigue, depression, anxiety, and ultimately coaching women to reclaim their self-worth by overcoming codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. So yeah, I was sick my whole life. I had what was diagnosed as irritable bowel syndrome, which is sort of just a wastebasket, we don't know what's wrong with you kind of diagnosis. Um, And later came to find out that I had parasites, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, a whole host of actual digestive problems. In the meanwhile, like you so perfectly said, I took my health into my own hands. I wasn't getting the answers I needed for my physical health or my mental health. And, you know, this was in the 90s. We didn't understand the gut microbiome and how it impacts mood and energy and everything else. So I really just thought I was broken. I thought there was something wrong with me, not just my body, but me as a person. And so it was through um, all this work over all these years to figure out what was wrong with me. I became an herbalist. I went to UCSF and trained to become a nurse practitioner, trained in functional medicine, worked in primary care, uh, and eventually started my own functional medicine clinic. It was through that whole journey of healing myself and taking that healing to others that I came to really understand what was going on underneath, way, way, way underneath the parasite, the bacteria, the everything which was my mindset, which is not, of course, the parasite played a big role in this. Like, let's be really clear when people say like, mindset is everything. I'm like, no, (laughs) sometimes it's also bugs, (laughs) right? Like there were bugs. We had to murder the, find the bugs, murder the bugs. And my nervous system was so jacked. My limbic system where our inner children live, that was on high alert. 
my autonomic nervous system thought that everything was a crisis. And at the root of that was a lack of self-worth, a lack of self-love in, in a real way, not like in a hashtag self-love way, not in a bubble bath kind of way, but in a like really believing in myself. My self-concept was so much a part of what kept me sick because I was constantly in sympathetic activation, which is the fight or flight part of the nervous system, or dorsal shutdown, which is the freeze part of the nervous system. And in those two states, you're not supposed to digest a cheeseburger because your body thinks you're being chased by a lion. So my body mm -hmm. was doing the right thing with these really, I don't want to say problematic, but with these inputs from my chronic thinking, my conditioning, my socialization, my family blueprint that, um, yeah, that kept me thinking I needed to be constantly guarded and that I was in constant danger. That's so interesting. Just, I think, you know, I feel like Stephanie and I have had a lot of guests and this topic has come up a number of times in many different ways. And I feel like so many people are walking around like that. Yeah. Just at this sure. constant state of like stress or guarded or whatever you want to call it, the flight or flight or fight mode. <laughs> and, you know, everyone like there's so many things out there and so many different modalities and ways that you can work toward getting your body and your mind out of that. Right. right. So can you tell us about, you know, so you were feeling a certain way and then you really came to all these realizations. What did you do from there? Yeah. Well, in my business, I shifted towards coaching because I mm -hmm. really wanted that held space where we weren't focused on labs and supplements and prescriptions and diagnoses and all of that to really get to this important root cause. In my personal life, um, I started applying everything I'd been teaching folks and really working to come into greater awareness of where my nervous system is, my nervous system state throughout the day, the week, the month, the year, so I could create a map for myself right? When XYZ happens, it is likely that my nervous system in its automaticness is going to go into some shutdown. I can expect that. And so I can be ready with nervous system tools and skills to support myself to come back to ventral vagal, which is the safe and social part of the nervous system. So I don't have to be at the mercy of my nervous system reactions. Instead, I can be responsive and I can be proactively responsive to understand when someone, you know, um, back in the days when I was working for someone else, if a boss said, you know, a medical director said, I need to talk to you, I knew I was going to get anxious, right? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty normal, understandable human response. And instead of allowing my brain to start cycling through, oh, God, is she going to fire me? Did I mess something up? Did a patient die? Like, what's the terrible thing? Yeah. She might just be like, oh, listen, the, the front desk staff is leaving and we're going to have a party. You know, like, I don't know what's coming, right? But my nervous system would go to pew, high alert. So in so, that moment, I can support myself. Yeah. So what kinds of tools do you use to support yourself? And how are you using these tools with your clients? Yeah. So the three-step process I use is based in awareness, acceptance, and action. It is so the American way and perhaps the global way to jump to action, right? It was New Year's not that long ago, which is the celebration of jumping, leaping before you look, right? It's like December 31st. I'm a person who hasn't worked out in a year, but tomorrow, tomorrow <laughs> is the day, right? I will turn this whole ship around and will be a wildly new person. And we see that, you know, the studies show us that New Year's resolutions fail, and they fail because we are not basing them in a deep understanding of who we are and why we're doing what we're doing um, before January 1st. So the process of awareness, right? That's where we map our nervous system. What my tendency is to go towards dorsal shutdown. That's just how my nervous system likes to track, right? Like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm fine, which is like really part and parcel of the codependent thought habit is being the stoic, being the martyr, um, really putting our needs last, 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 uh, and really tolerating. We learn to tolerate a whole bunch of BS in life, and we think it's just 
what we do. We think that that's our lot in life. It's not. And as we raise our awareness of our own habits, our own patterns, we can also focus in alongside the nervous system and somatic, soma means body in Greek, alongside the body-based work, we can raise our awareness of our thoughts. And so this is the process of the thought work protocol that I use with myself daily and I teach to all my clients. So this is based in cognitive behavioral theory, and it's about looking at your chronic and habitual thoughts and recognizing that most of them are not your thoughts. They're what you were taught to think. They're survival skills from your inner child. They're part of your socialization, your conditioning. They're things you heard your parents and your aunts and your grandparents and folks in your religious community, folks at school. Like You heard people say these things as fact. And so you repeated them because that's what kids do, right? We have mirror neurons, which are a part of our brain, and they tell us monkey see, monkey do, right? If you see the big monkey eat the banana, then the big monkey's happy. You say, I eat banana. Like, that's logical, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And so you learn these skills. Like, you know, if you grow up uh, hearing we don't talk about Bruno, then you're like, all right, we don't talk about Bruno. I don't talk about hard things, right? I don't talk about challenging things. It's not safe to do that. And so what we do with the thought work protocol is we start to look at and sort of peel away all the layers of our habitual thoughts so we can recognize what we're feeling when we think those thoughts, the actions we take when we're having that feeling because our feelings are fuel for our actions and the result we create. So we, if we stick with the thought, we don't talk about Bruno, you may feel anxious and then the action you take is to avoid talking about real things. And the result in your life is that like everybody's talking about Bruno, right? Like it's the secret we're all talking about. So you create a life in which you're focused on the negative, on what um, doesn't really serve you, like secret keeping, uh, keeping you know what's real in your life under wraps, not being your authentic self. So we do this process in the awareness phase to, to see what the what is. From there comes acceptance. And I gotta say, it's the hardest part. Would y'all agree? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really accepting like, okay, this was my childhood. This was the society and culture I grew up in. This is the patriarchy. This is how it impacts my life, right? And really coming into that deep acceptance of I am who I am in this moment. And radical acceptance means doing that without self-judgment, right? And that's the key part. It's not condoning what happened in the past. It's not saying, oh, that's fine, right? Like, oh, it's okay. It's saying, this is how this actually impacted me. And here's how I want to shift things. So it's only then once we have deeply and fully accepted the facts of what is that we turn to, to taking action. And taking action here means learning the tools and skills to support our nervous system, like attuning to our breath. Um, I teach a series of movements that help us somatically in our bodies, learn to calm our nervous system, really simple things. Like, would it be cool if I taught one now? We would yeah. love it. Yes. Fabulous. Okay. So if it is safe for you to do this while you're listening, that is you're not driving or flying a plane or anything, um, you're wrestling a dinosaur, don't do it if you're doing any of those things. You take <laughs> your, your little paws and you put them in front of you and you're going to take your thumb and you're going to touch it to your first finger, your second finger, your third finger, your sweet little pinky, and then come back. Pinky, third, second first and go nice and slow and count one two three four four three two one it's so simple mm -hmm. it was fun to watch both of your faces just calm. <laughs> yeah I was like intensely oh. focusing on it yeah, right. exactly so how does that happen? How does yeah. doing this exercise, I mean, I, you know, breath work, but how does that calm yeah. your, your central nervous system? Yeah. So that's what Marnie was just saying. I was intensely focused on the yeah. movement and the counting. So the limbic system is like a Labrador retriever. It just wants a job. So I had this lab I got from the pound and she was, she was very, very anxious. My sweet Frankie, she was, her name was Frances Bacon. She went by Frankie. Um, and Frankie was just such an anxious little girl. 
she was so nervous all the time. And so the vet said, get her a backpack and put water bottles in it. And as the water bottles got heavier, she was like, I have a job. I have, I have importance. So, right. As mammals, we are looking, isn't that so sweet? We are looking for significance, (laughs) right? Significance, um, acceptance and connection. And so she then had a role. She had a job. She was Frankie who carried the heavy water, heavy, right? Like eight ounces. Yeah. But she carried the water bottles. She had a very important job. And I would put it on her and tell her, this is a very important job you're doing, little lady. Yeah. We need these water bottles held. And you could just like her shoulder blades would go back. She'd hold her head a little higher and she'd stop shaking. Right. Wow. And so when we, I know it's so sweet. That's such a sweet story. It's yeah. So tender. It's so tender. And so we give our, our limbic system, our reptile brain, the most um, ancient part of our human minds, uh, where our inner children live. We give them a job, right? We give the, that system work, right? Okay. You're in charge. Touch the thumb to all the fingers, Right. And so it, yeah. it has something to focus on other than what if he doesn't love me anymore? They, uh, that date from last night hasn't texted in like 22 hours. Right. I'm doomed. I'm going to die cold and lonely alone on a mountaintop. Um, <laughs> right. My, I'm sorry. Seriously, though. Right. Because that's where we go. We're like, OK, great. I'm doomed. Right. <laughs> oh, my partner did the dishes. But did he enjoy doing the dishes? He didn't, did he? He's just doing it. He doesn't love me. Right. Like we go to there because from our codependent thinking, we don't believe in our self-worth. We don't believe that we're truly lovable. And so everyone and everything has to prove it to us all the time. Right. Yes. Yeah. There's so many things I want to unpack here. And why, but why do people suffer from these tendencies? You know, regardless of what your upbringing was and, you know, we can, I want to dive into the inner child work as well. Yeah. From your coaching of all these women, what, what are you seeing? Because it was modeled for us, right? It's, it's, it's how we learned. We had a parent or two aunts, uncles, grandparents, often generations of folks who had these codependent habits, who had these codependent ways of being and living and relating to the world. And I mean, again, back to monkey see monkey do through our mirror neurons, we learned to do what was modeled for us. And so if all that was modeled for us was this, this is what we do. We people please, we are perfectionists, and we do all these behaviors in service of safety, right? Safety and significance, safety and significance. That's what the brain wants, right? It wants to feel that we have a job, we matter, we have a role, and thereby we are safe. And we are safe if we're in a role. It's so interesting. It it, it makes me think about like, So I don't know what generation you're from, but Stephanie and I are pretty much from the same generation. And I think a lot of people um, our age were raised, like you said, you know, modeled a certain way. So then we come out, you know, maybe with these perfectionist tendencies and codependency and all these things you're mentioning. And then it makes me think, you know, and there's a ton of us running around in the world right now, right? right? Yeah. You know, we're now raising our kids with a lot of this knowledge in mind. Like, it just makes me wonder what their generation is going to look like. And hopefully, maybe we'll have broken some of these tendencies as they become adults. I don't know. But I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the humans who join my program do it because they want to, to raise their kids in a new way. They want to model something new and not keep passing this on for the next generation and the next and the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I'm right there. I mean, I've been doing work similar to what you're saying, but different to do just that. And I think just having an awareness and being consciously, you know, in tune with those old programs and patterns and things that you did pick up on from your parents. And they were just doing the best they could with what they had at the Absolutely. time. I think it's Absolutely. so important to lay that ground and, and talk to you. Like I talk to my kids about ways I grew up and things that I want to, as a person, as a mom of yeah. things that I'm trying to change. And I'm yeah. not there yet and I'm not perfect, but just the fact that I'm like, can have these open dialogues, I think is really important. I don't know what you yeah. see, but and well, we don't want, want perfection, right? Yeah. Like we're looking yeah. for perfection. What even is no. that, right? right? Yes. And I yes. even challenge with love 
the phrase, I'm not there yet. Like, what yeah. does that even mean? Because it's that yeah. kind yeah. of, right? And then you just said yeah, that. See? <laughs> People say that. And so that's just a phrase that comes out, right? Like, you know, I don't yep. think before I say, forget about it. It just comes out of my mouth, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm really focusing in on this because there's so much self-blame, guilt, shame around having these habits and I, it's wildly unnecessary and it is antithetical to our goal of stepping into self-worth and self-love, right? right? And so, of course, he said, I'm not there yet because you've heard that a thousand times. So, but we get to pause and use thought work to ask, what is there? What does that even mean, right? Am I not the most perfect expression of myself today in this moment? Right? Can I give myself the grace to be an ever-changing, ever-growing human and teach that to my inner children and my human children? Yeah, I love yes. that. Why do people believe that they need to be right all the time? And why is it so important, like their self-worth is so important on being right versus, you know, being right and presenting yourself a certain way to the world versus maybe acknowledging that right or wrong doesn't matter so much. Safety, 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 safety. That's all the autonomic nervous system cares about. It's got the one job, which is to keep the mammal alive, right? And, and when we look at the, the three biological imperatives of being a human, it's to seek pleasure, avoid pain and reduce energy usage, right? Like when in doubt, don't do nothing if it hasn't killed you yet. And so all those goals biologically cooked into us are all about sourcing safety. It's all about keeping you alive so you can propagate the species, right? So if you're wrong, and that means that the person across from you is going to take out their saber and stab you in the heart, then you can't make another us, right? And then and thousands of years ago when these systems were created in our minds and bodies, there weren't that many of us. And there was a lot of saber-toothed tigers. <laughs> there was a lot of lions. There was a lot of, you know, before the first epidemiological shift when humans died of danger, right? But before we died of smallpox, then before we died of diabetes and, and uh, right, high blood pressure, we died, of, we died of falls in ditch. We died of broken leg, right? We died from not being safe. And so we have developed this understanding that if other people think I'm wrong, that means that I am wrong, that I as a human animal am wrong and bad, right? We, we personalize it, which is a, key, a huge part of codependent thinking. We take everything personally, we make it all about us, right? Going back to that wound of sourcing our self-worth from everything outside of ourselves. Because if your self-worth is sourced internally, then you're like, oh yeah, dude, I totally fucked that up. Seriously, right? Mm -hmm. And I've got to tell you, in the last couple of years, that has been my work around defensiveness and being wrong. And I, last night, I, I totally messed something up. And I said to my date, I was like, dude... <laughs> I really biffed it on that one, huh? Like I really like everything a gal could have done wrong. I totally did, right? Like everything. And they were just like, well, yes, actually. But it was just so freeing to like, to not be in that old cycle of like, I have to prove I'm right. I have to prove I didn't mess up or it was an accident or I didn't mean mm. to or like all those defensive arguments and it was just so liberating and just like felt so good in my mind and body. And it was so good for my relationship to be like, yo, I really messed yeah. up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a silly goose. But how freeing is that? Because we have this issue in my oh. house with my kids. I mean, my husband and I do it like we're always trying to be right. And I notice it in my kids sometimes, too. And it's yeah. like it's more important. It's not more important to be right. You know, sure. um, so this is a good one. I feel like for parents out there too, yeah. Yeah. modeling for their kids. Cause it can come on like pretty early. <laughs> yeah. My sister is a parenting coach and she, I watching her do this with her two young boys is just amazing. 
Like she does it all the time. She'll just look at him and be like, wow, Santiago, you're, I really messed that up, huh? And he's like, well, yeah, mommy, you did, but I still love you. <laughs> but, you know, it's not even like, I don't even know if I like the word right. Mm. You yeah, know, because it's, so it's like, it's very subjective. It's, yeah. it's like you can take acknowledge that you messed something up or you sure. didn't do something appropriately or whatever it is. But, you know, maybe it shouldn't even be as black and white as right and wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. There's so much nuance in the middle. Yes. Yeah. And so, right. Uh, what about like when people are trying to just like micromanage others? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh, the fixer. The fixer yes. is definitely the one control. of our right. Yeah. Like trying yep. to control everything. Yeah. 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 Controlling, managing, fixing. It ties in with the martyr, savior, saint complex because. <laughs> Right? You're putting yourself last again and you're taking care of everyone else. You're making sure that their work is done when yours is like, what happened to your 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 life? Right? You've spent the whole thing focused on others. So again, it comes back to significance and safety. If I can make sure the people around me are cool, copacetic, every you know, they're safe, they've got their lunch, they've got their homeworks done. Maybe I did their homework you know, like they are taken care of, then when the marauders come down from the hills to raid our village, I know that they will save me, right? Someone will put me on their hip and run away from the village with me. We put ourselves, right? It's we don't realize that by controlling others, we're putting ourselves in the damsel in distress position, but we're prepping for it. We're ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. So during... Like in your coaching program, practically, how do you help people? I mean, we talked about like the breath and the movement and things like that. Yeah. Um, but maybe what does that look like a little bit more? You know, it sounds so easy to a certain extent, <laughs> but, but, but we know it's not, you know, it's simple, right. it's simple, not easy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a whole lot of coaching. So we meet every single week uh, and we coach. And so folks consent to get coached and I bring them on up and we look at what's going on in their lives, what their, what their thoughts are about the circumstances in their lives and the resonance in their body, in their nervous system. Uh, And we start to, to really, you know, I am a nerd's nerd. I, I have a master's in public health. I studied epidemiology. I love patterns. I love uh, just looking at the, what the patterns is and uh, patterns are rather in how we think about the world and how we apply the same old thought, which generally is a belief. A belief is a thought you've thought over and over and over until it's hardwired in your nervous system. How do we apply that same thought to all these dozens of situations and what are the results we create? So when, when we can look at those thoughts, we can start to see our own mind And then we can learn to manage our mind. We can learn to interrupt our thinking and we can learn which thoughts we want to change and shift and then create a somatic or bodily resonance with that shift and what thoughts we just want to ignore, right? Meaning not in a dismissive way, not in a negating way, not in a like forget about it way, but recognizing that like that gremlin voice, that mean girl voice, that inner child voice, they're all protectors, right? And this is borrowing from Richard Schwartz's work in internal family systems. They're all protector parts. They're parts that are trying to have our back because they don't believe that adult us can because child us couldn't, right? Because developmentally we couldn't, we were children, right? We couldn't. And so those protector parts show up to say, they don't love you, do that for them, fix their life, make sure everything's perfect, right? Or, or whatever the story is for you specifically, right? Keep them happy with you. Don't rock the boat. Oh, don't get the divorce. What will the neighbors think? Your parents will be so upset. His parents will be so upset. Their parents will be right on and on. And so really coming to a deep sense of love and gratitude and honoring for all of those voices and then shifting your relationship to them so you can shift the thoughts or recognize in certain moments this thought is likely to come up and I've decided through this process of awareness acceptance and action that it's not a problem of course my brain's going to say that of course it is right 
And I'm just not going to engage with that thought as something I'm choosing to believe and something I'm choosing to act from. So are you doing this one-on-one with people? Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. Yeah. I, and how, how many sessions does a person typically go through with you? Um, well, my course is six months. Um, and in that process, you know, some people love to get coached every week. Some people uh, are on a sort of different timeline, but it really is about the container of the six months. Um, in addition to live coaching, we do coaching via Slack. Um, so we have this amazing group community where folks can hop on there and get coached by me every single weekday for six months, which is so incredible. Um, and I do that to support neurodiversity because not everyone is game to get on video. That doesn't work for everyone's nervous system. Um, I do that because honestly, life happens between coaching calls. So if we meet like Thursday at seven and like something happens, your kid's sick on Tuesday and your brain starts spinning out and catastrophizing and globalizing and really going to some, some not okay places, I want folks to have support in between those calls. So it's really fun. You can just like hop on and just get coaching all day long. Yeah. It's a blast. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So you've started talking a little bit about, you know, inner child work. And I was yeah. listening to one of your recent podcast episodes about the science behind it inner is. child work, which is something I've personally been working on for the last year or two, kind of rewriting my relationship with my inner child or children. Um, so we know this may be kind of foreign to some people. I mean, we maybe have dabbled on it a little bit on this show. So can you explain maybe to our listeners kind of what it is, like what inner child work is and why we shouldn't be blaming our parents? Just because we say we want to rewrite our inner child does not immediately yeah. say, sorry, mom and dad, I want to like disown you or I'm going right. to, <laughs> I'm saying anything bad about them. Because I've had this conversation with my sister actually a little bit, you know? So I don't know, maybe you can just dive in and talk about that. Yeah, so the concept of the inner child um, has Jungian origins, um, and a sort of more neo-Jungian approach is to think about the inner child as the expression of the limbic system. So the limbic system, like we were just talking about, is that reptile brain, that most ancient part of our mind, and it really is black and white. It really is on and off. It really is death and doom fluffy bunnies like that's right (laughs) there's not a lot of nuance in there which we can use to our advantage so the limbic system really again is just like how do I keep this one alive so it can make more humans right so our inner child is the the resonance of of ourselves at different points developmentally throughout our lives So if there, you know, it can be the the joy you had as a four-year-old when you got your first puppy. It can be the trauma of your parents' divorce when you were six. It can be um, the joy of moving to a new house when you were eight or the stress of moving to a new house when you were eight. That first uh, heartache when you were 14, the joy of that love when you were 16. You know, it's all these little moments, these experiences as energy within our body. Um, Another way to think about the resonance of the inner child that's helpful for me is as our posture, as the patterns uh, in our body, uh, the tension patterns or patterns of softness. So often with my clients, because we do a lot of somatic or body-based work, they'll start to talk about when they're eight and whatever happened, and I'll watch them on video. Their shoulders start to slump forward. Their head starts to droop, right? They get in this protective stance. Their hands may even come in front of their face, right? That energy within them is saying danger, right? Protect yourself. Don't have a feeling. Don't express your feeling. Don't be seen. Don't be heard. Or be the loudest joker in the room and don't let anyone see the authentic you. Be the rebel, right? Be the the kid who's like, forget about this family, I'm out, which is also to protect the authentic deep you, which is probably feeling all kinds of tenderoni, right? So our inner child is all that resonance of all of our childhood experiences living within us. And when we are not in touch with our inner children, um, because they are are multitude, they can drive the bus, right? They can sort of, I don't want to say hijack, they can um, lovingly take over our nervous system and make us believe that something is dangerous when it's just not, 
it's just, you know, it's just life. It's just a ping on your phone. It's just a to-do list. It's just a divorce. It's, you know, it's just life. And your inner children are like, oh, well, this is the one that's going to, we're dead now. Like we're toast. And so your inner children can lead you to be reactive in life, right? To, to, to get defensive, to attack first. When someone says we need to talk, you're like, bah! right? All of those energies, as well as joy and pleasure and building sandcastles and flying kites and drawing and coloring and having fun, all of that can come from our inner children. And the reason we do this work is so we can get to know them, we can honor them, we can give them love and care and acceptance so that they can just go play in our psyche and can just be children's, having children's fun. And we can be our own adult and can create the concept of the healed inner child, right? Which is the one that's not awash in all the stress, distress, and trauma. And we can pair that healed inner child as a model for the rest of the inner children with a healed inner adult. I used to say healed inner parent, and I've stepped away from that because parent can be so evocative of so much that didn't work for so many of us. So I've really shifted to healed inner adult. And we can really have that concept of ourself and the adult that stands by our side to guide us internally, which taps into other nervous system work, which is the work of resourcing. So nervous system resources are those things that bring us back into ventral vagal, the safe and social part of our nervous system. When we're all activated, we're anxious, we're worried, we're stressed in sympathetic fight or flight, or we're collapsed. <sighs> it's fine, whatever. I don't, I don't care what movie we watch. It's okay. We can go to dinner wherever you want. I don't... Sure, I'll do more laundry. I mean, I have my own work to do, but yeah, I'll put your needs first. That's fine, whatever. Dorsal, shut down, checked out. I, I don't even know, right? And so nervous system resources, having that loving internal parent you can look to and say like, I'm really, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I feel stuck. I feel scared. I feel worried. Help, right? We can actually get into a dialogue with our own psyche and with this concept of ourself um, this concept for ourselves of this adult who loves us unconditionally. It can be a resource for our nervous system to come back into ourselves when we've sort of left ourselves in the protective stance of sympathetic or dorsal. Wow. <laughs> that was a lot of I'm lot like, of was, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just yeah. digesting yeah, everything yeah, yeah, you totally. said. Think, let's like... take a moment. <laughs> But that was so, um, I've never heard it explained and articulated that way. So I really, I really like that. And just, it's like allowing them to just play, right? Yeah. And allowing ourselves, even as adults yeah. to play, because I think we've yeah. forgotten how to do that. A lot of us have. Yeah. Because yeah, we're in we the do. fight or flight. So we're in so fight frequently. or flight. We're so busy. And because we, you know, in late stage capitalism, we don't appreciate or honor or give importance to play right it's frivolous it's silly it's selfish it's for kids right it's, and I think you're not being productive if you play, you're not you know? being productive right or if you rest my clients also have and I also had no idea how to rest like yeah. truly rest not like half watch the show while like half working on a spreadsheet while half right. doing the laundry while yeah. <laughs> half stirring the polenta right I right. struggle with that I'm working right on resting. yeah and relaxing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, can you share a story of someone that you've coached and like how you help them reclaim and restore, you know, their physical health and their mental health and really they're thriving now? Oh my gosh. Oh, there are just, there's so many to choose from. It's such a delight. My brain is like, well, there's Kelly and there's Allie and there's Megan and Carolina. So, um, you know, one of the folks I'm just, uh, that's coming to mind, uh, give me a, will you give me like a, a woman's name I can use to not name her? Just a Jennifer. Jennifer. Oh my Jennifer. <laughs> oh, so, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, I, I know y'all are listening because this is a podcast, but I wish you could see my cheeks. Like they hurt from smiling, thinking about <laughs> Jennifer. I just feel a somatic moment. I feel like this warm flood of, of fluttery love energy in my chest. My legs and arms feel like light and my cheeks hurt in a really nice way from just feeling so full of love for her. And so 
inspired for her. So when she joined Anchored, um, Jennifer had just come out of a very contentious divorce. Um, her now ex-husband had many years of substance use and things were really not okay at home. And in the time since leaving him, uh, she has two, two uh, daughters in middle school. She still was really focused on him, right? Everything was about, um, I'll say a random uh, dude's name, Mike, about like, oh, Mike wants to come get the girls early. Mike dropped the girls off late. Mike told the girls they could have candy. Mike let them stay up till two. Like her whole, she had, she was no longer with him in, in her physical home, but oh, wow, was she with him. She was with him all day, all night, because she was obsessively thinking about him and thinking about his impact on her life, which was creating a greater impact in her life. Her whole life was around what he was doing wrong and how it was negatively impacting her and her children. He was the star of her life, which she obviously didn't realize before anchored. She thought she was just righteously indignant, which is not to say she wasn't right. He was doing some real shady stuff. But the point is, through the process of Anchored, um, through the process of thought work and breath work and somatic work, she was able to see how she was codependently making him the center point of her life and wasn't living her life for her, her new life, her exciting life, right? This brand new life that she had claimed in leaving him. She wasn't living it for her. And so through this process, she started to realize all the resonance in that relationship of her resonance of her relationship with her father started to recognize the thoughts that she was having about him about Mike that were the same as in her childhood and how her inner children felt really abandoned really not seen really not cared for and so every time there was a Mike infraction the kids were like, oh my God, Jennifer, this is the worst thing ever. And you have to like obsess about this and talk to every girlfriend and bring it to coaching. And like, really like your whole journal has to be all about Mike. And through the process of really coming to see those inner children and really learning how to map her nervous system and find a way to bring her body into ventral vagal, she was able to start slowly, 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 slowly to see the thoughts accept the thoughts. And boy, did she hate accepting these thoughts, right? She was like, oh, damn it. I didn't realize that like he was still my star, right? She was able to really shift things to start to become the star of her own show, right? To really start to focus on the self-care that comes from managing our minds, which for me is the most important self-care there is. Because again, you can take every bubble bath in the world and go to the Grecian Island and get the massage and the, you know what I mean? Do every spa mm -hmm. thing. But if you're lying in the spa in the Grecian Island, obsessing about what your ex-husband did wrong, you're not really, you're not getting the self-care. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she was, right. So she was really able to start managing her mind and putting her focus on herself thereby building that self-worth that had been missing by taking herself on a walk, right? And really focusing her mind. At first, it was so slow and steady. I had her think, this is my foot. This is my foot. This is my foot. And she would take a 10-minute walk where she was just really bringing her awareness into her feet hitting the pavement or hitting the road, right? And just really getting present in her body in that small way. And then we started looking up and orienting to the surroundings, right? Here are my feet walking and I see a blue jay. I see an evergreen tree. I see a squirrel. And just starting really slowly to get present in her every day. Because again, she had been in this maelstrom of thinking about this dude for like 20 years and had lost touch with herself and her authenticity and what she enjoys. I hear this all the time. I want to do what I want, but I don't know what I want. I've been so obsessed with everyone else. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I need. And so through this slow process of asking herself, and this is some great homework for all the listeners, ask yourself, what do you want? And I mean a focus on the quotidian, like the day-to-day -day teeny tiny BS, because that's what a life is right? When you reach for a sweater, pause. Do I want the turtleneck? Do I want the crew neck? And I know it sounds so dumb, but trust me, 
it matters because that's what you're going to feel on your skin all day. And let it be about what do I want to feel on and in my body and not what will someone else like, what will look professional, what will gain me approval. What do I want? Do I want coffee or tea? What flavor do I want? Do I want a hot beverage or a cold? What temperature do I want in my hands, in my throat, in my belly? Right? And this is the work we did with Jennifer of slowly coming back into awareness of her own desire because it had come to feel so foreign to her. And from there, she could start to set boundaries. Instead of just complaining about what Mike had done, she could say, Mike, you pick the kids up at three on Friday or you're not getting them for the weekend. Like, basta, done, right? Here are the limits. I'm not available for playing outside of these rules, right? Not from like a lack of love, but from the deepest love for herself and her baby. Right. And because when, when we focus on someone else and that irritability and that annoyance and they did this and they did that, we become their victim in our mind and we become our, the victim of our own thinking and we keep ourselves resentful, irritated and annoyed. And I don't know about the two yous, but I don't have time for that. <laughs> right. Like I want to use my time on this planet. I was a hospice nurse. I have a keen understanding of how short life is and how long it is if you're living in misery. And I mm -hmm. want to spend my time on this planet full of love, right? Living into the fullest expression of myself, which is a being of love and care and tenderness and not irritability about someone else's choices. Those are just their choices, not resentment of them because instead I have boundaries. And that was the work that Jennifer learned to do through the process of Anchor. And it's been glorious to watch. And it sounds yeah. amazing. I mean, I feel like everybody needs what you yeah. just yeah. <laughs> described <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. And I really love how you said to go through the minutia or whatever you want to call it of your day yes. and think about what do I want? This sweater or that sweater? Hot yeah. tea, cold yeah. tea. Like, yes. like, that's really giving you know, yourself, your true self, yeah. you're giving yourself what they want or however, I don't yes. know how to say it, right? But you're, you're perfect. Yeah. Um, and I think about my girls mm. who will come in and say, mom, does this look good? Or should I wear this? Or should I wear that? And I, yeah. and just with what you said, I want to go back and say to them, wear what feels good to you. Yeah. You yes. decide. I don't want to make the decision. This is yeah. your decision. Yeah. Yep. There's so much to unpack. I mean, I wish we had more time about this because we can do it again. You know, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> Let's do it. And there's so much around like intuitive eating. Like someone goes oh, to make yeah. a selection, like tea or coffee. Yes. Well, I, I shouldn't drink so much coffee, so I should have tea because someone else said I should have tea. And I heard that green tea is good and there's antioxidants. So that's what I'm going to have. I mean, this has like a ripple effect. I want everyone out there to start doing this today with, you know, with, with picking out your clothes, that's the easiest thing. Everyone has to wear clothes every day, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe not, but yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't want to be nudist exclusionary, but right. most <laughs> <laughs> it's an inclusive loving program. But yes. most of us do wear clothes. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What feels good? And again, you know, it's a really subtle somatic practice. Mm. Right, right? Because it's not mm. just what do I think looks good? What feels good in the animal, on the animal, for the animal, right? If I look away from the mirror and just put on what feels good, like this shirt I have on has a little silk in it, this turtleneck, and oh mm. my goodness, it just, it is so cozy and it's fitted, which today feels just like I feel held. I feel snuggled by the sweater. And that's what oh, I, I wanted today. I want that sweater. No, <laughs> I thank you. I'll right send now. you a link. It's a good one. Send us a link. Yeah, it's very cute. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so I know we're running out of time, but I just want to back up for a minute. Yeah. I would love if you can just very succinctly describe to our listeners what the vagal nerve is, because you've mentioned oh, it a few goodness. times. And I'm yeah. thinking that people don't know what that is. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, a number one asking Argentine Leo to be succinct is quite the, quite the request, but I <laughs> shall do my best. 
It's not my forte, nor do I want it to be, but I will do my best. So uh, the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve, the longest nerve in the human body. Uh, it goes from the brain and enervates or gives nerve function to most of the mammal. Uh, your eyes and ears and nose, your heart and lungs, your swallowing capacity, your digestive function, thyroid, reproductive function. It kind of runs the show in a, in a lot of important ways. And polyvagal theory is the work of Dr. Stephen Porges, PhD. If you want to, his work is like high nerd. It's like um, heartbeat variability in neonates in the ICU, the NICU. Like that's where his work is. It's not English. Deb Dana or My Show Feminist Wellness. A little plug there for moi, but Deb Dana puts it in English. She's a therapist. She's dope. She's amazing. I love her. She puts it in great English. So polyvagal theory is this understanding that there's many branches to the vagus nerve. Um, so the vagus nerve runs our autonomic or automatic nervous system, right? If I had to think about my breathing and my heart rate, I'd be dead in approximately three beats because I would be <laughs> right out of here. And I'd be like, oh, squirrel, what? Oh, damn it, I'm dead. So thank goodness for the polyvagal. <laughs> for the vagus nerve and keep my heart and lungs going. Um, digestion too, that's cute. Um, so yeah, it really, uh, it, sort of, it keeps time and it keeps all those systems running. And it also is part of what I was talking about of um, sympathetic activation uh, and then the parasympathetic, which is where ventral vagal, which is safe and social and um, uh, dorsal, which is the freeze response, which is the feigned death response, deer in the headlights playing possum, also calming energy also lives there. So did that do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just, cool. I just wanted people to have context. Yeah. 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 Please. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I get excited about science. And I, <laughs> go. <laughs> I know. I love it. I too, love it. Not love everybody it. does. So I, I, I want people to yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you, Victoria? We talked a little bit about your program, your six month program anchored. We know you have a podcast, so if you want to share with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So uh, my podcast is called Feminist Wellness. It's for humans of all the many, 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 many genders. Uh, It's free every single week. Check it out. Um, I talk about science and uh, psychology and all this fun stuff um, and lots of cool tips and tools to change your life. Uh, My website is victoriaalbina.com. If you head over there and go right to the top of the page, there's a little bar you can click to get free meditations. So it's a suite of meditations and inner child meditation, boundaries, orienting, which is a nervous system exercise, and so much more. And it's for free 99, just right there for you on the website. You can find me on the gram. I give good Instagram at Victoria Albina Wellness. And my program, you can learn more at victoriaalbina.com slash anchored. And I just want to say, put a plug out there to sign up for your newsletter and the meditations. I did the inner child meditation last night before bed, just lying there. And it was wonderful. And I got a great night's sleep. So Anyway. I'm so glad to hear I'm that. I'm excited to try it. Yay. Thank you. Good. My pleasure. Um, so Victoria, as we wrap up this conversation, one question we like to ask all of our guests is what does the art of living well mean to you? Mm, it means living authentically and from our heart. It means living into uh, what I believe is, is the true uh greatest goal, right? The work of being a human, which is to live, the essential human task is to live from our authenticity, from that wellspring of love that is part and parcel of being a human and is available to all of us, to live from there, to make our choices for ourselves, for our relationships, for our lives, from the voice of self-love. Because when the voice of self, of true self-love, which means loving the part, warts and all, right? The parts you don't like about you too, accepting them, loving them, honoring them, respecting them, understanding that they were survival skills from your littles, right? And really loving it all up allows you to, yeah, to live life so well, to live life from, from love. And so then you make the choices, everyday choices to exercise or not, what you want to eat, what you want to wear, uh, whether you get defensive or not, whether you listen to your inner children. We make all these choices from love. We make them well. That was beautiful. 
And I just love what you said, making choices from a voice of self-love. I mean, it sounds simple, but if we all did that, just think about the world, right? The power power that that could have, yeah. Yeah, And even just living authentically from your heart. I mean, it sounds so easy and basic, but... (laughs) Yeah. It's a practice. Um, It's a practice, exactly. Well, this whole conversation has been wonderful. I've learned a lot and... I feel like yeah. Stephanie and I got our own therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Free therapy. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that. we know our listeners are going to take away so much from this and you yeah. peppered in so many, you know, practical tips and strategies that, that people can implement right away. So go out there, take a walk and focus on your planting your feet on the ground. Right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Victoria. Have a great day. Thank you. you Have a great Thank day. You. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the art of living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.